Well, I'm sure every week during the NRL season is a busy week for their head of football, Graham Annesley, but uh, grand final week would be uh, a level up. And I'm delighted to say that Graham has taken the time to uh, speak to us this morning. Morning, Graham. How are you? Oh, I'm good, thank you. Thanks for having me. Oh, delighted to have you on, and thank you again for coming on. Uh, just uh, what does your week look like, uh, Graham? from here on in? Obviously, you've had your Monday meeting or your Monday press conference. We might get to later, but from here on in? Well, look, it's um, uh, it's a pretty standard grand final week. Uh, yesterday, we announced the grand final referees. Uh, of course, we've got... Uh, we've got uh, activities happening in Martin Place in the centre of the city for the rest of the week. Uh, we've got the Dallium Awards uh, tonight. Uh, we've got a lunch, a grand final lunch uh, later in the week and um, of course preparations for Sunday. So mm. you know, we've got staff out at the stadium getting things in order and uh, it's, a, it's, a, it's a busy week but it's an exciting week as well. It's always the culmination of the season. Graham, Ashley Klein will adjudicate the grand final. Was it an easy decision for you to make or was it you and a group of other officials that make that decision? No, we get a recommendation from the referees coaching staff. Uh, so they go through the performances, not only last weekend, but right through the final series with a fine tooth came. And, and then they give a recommendation that comes to me. I then discuss it internally with Andrew Abdo and uh, and, and we may all make a final decision jointly. So, uh, But it wasn't an easy decision because both uh, Klein and Grant Athens in particular over the last two weeks since we've gone from four games down to two games have, have performed pretty well. And although, um, you know, there will be errors in every game, and I've talked publicly about some of those errors, errors earlier in the week, uh, some of them were from the bunker and not uh, from the on-field officials. So we've been pretty happy with the, the standard of performance from, from the on-field officials, and it was a difficult decision. Well, you've mentioned uh, the concession of errors um, at Monday's press conference, Graham. We were talking earlier in the week. I mean, the Monday press conference uh, is a great, uh, you know, vehicle in which you explain why decisions have been made um, but in terms of mistakes and human nature says there are going to be mistakes the mistakes seem to be what's concentrated on by a lot of the rugby league journalists do you think the monday sort of briefing that you give uh, is still a useful exercise for the nrl are you concerned that perhaps it's creating more negative publicity than it should no no um i, I think it does serve a very useful uh, purpose because Sometimes some of the uh, publicity, and you're right, I mean, there, there is um, an inordinate an focus on refereeing performances and refereeing decisions, sometimes uh, very much um, out of um, proportion to mm. what's actually happened in games. And um, the one thing that the referees have never had and that the, and that the game has never really had prior to us introducing the Monday briefings is we've never really had a forum to try and put some balance and some perspective into some of these decisions. And... You know, I heard some wildly exaggerated claims in the media uh, over the course of the weekend about some of the decisions that were made and, uh, and particularly about forward passes and how, allegedly how far forward they were. And, and, and you know, that, that, that attacks the uh, integrity and the, uh, and the ability of the, of the match officials. And, and sometimes we just have to defend those things and put them into, into perspective. And although in the particular pass from Mitch Moses last week that I conceded was probably forward out of the hands. Um, the actual path of the ball across the ground, which is the thing that everyone was focusing on, which doesn't indicate a forward pass anyway, mm. um, you know, that was, people were claiming it was metres forward. And I was able to freeze the, the vision, um, the actual vision, and, um, and demonstrate that 
there was nothing in it in terms of the path, the, the path of the ball across the ground. But as I said, that doesn't indicate a forward pass anyway. It's the hands. Graham, uh, week one in the finals, we saw that last game being between the Roosters and the Rabbitohs. I loved the game. I thought it was fantastic. Some didn't like it. And I was with a mate at the time, and we both said, gee, it would be difficult to referee a game with that intensity and with that speed. Now, keeping that in mind for you as a former referee, do you think it's harder to adjudicate now than it was, say, back in your day? Uh, I, don't, I don't say it's harder for the, for the match officials because they still do what match officials, well, let's talk referees, they still do what referees have always done, uh, which is uh, they go out onto the field and they start making decisions based on what they see and what unfolds in front of them. So from that point of view, it hasn't really changed. What is harder is the level of scrutiny and the quality of vision that we have now to deconstruct after a game. Uh, so with the advent of uh, high-definition television, ultra-high-definition television, uh, super slow-mo replays, uh, more and more cameras placed around the ground, uh, Every decision that a referee makes is now placed under so much scrutiny um, that, uh, you know, we have to break these things down uh, almost frame by frame in some cases to try and determine whether correct or incorrect decisions have been made. And uh, they were never confronted with that prior to the advances of, in, in these sorts of technologies. So that's what makes it harder. One of my concerns with cricket and the use of uh, DRS is it makes a slow game even slower and uh, we never get a chance of getting the full number of overs in. Um, the suggestion that forward passes would now be something that the bunker could look at, is that something that you think will progress or is it a concern that that would slow down rugby league to an extent that some of the fabric of the game would be lost? Well, yeah, that's absolutely a concern and it's something that's a very, very delicate balance and one that we have to consider uh, in all of these decisions about the introduction of technology. Now, I don't think we will ever get to a point where technology is taken out of the game. I, I don't think there's um, a level of tolerance uh, in the general community for that. People expect standards of decision-making and, and with the advent of technology and the advances in that technology, uh, then, you know, the only way we can get some of those decisions right is to use technology. That's why we've introduced things like captain's challenges as well, uh, so that um, technology can be used to try and uh, overturn an incorrect decision. But if you think about some of those tries that are scored now and some of the acrobatics of, of wingers in flying through the air and, and slamming the ball down just as, the, you know, with their bodies effectively over the touchline and it comes down to again almost uh, a single frame that can determine whether a try has been scored before a player goes into touch or not uh, those decisions with the naked eye are almost impossible and so what we've got to try and do is maintain the correct balance. We need to get as many decisions as possible right but, but we also need to acknowledge that we're never going to get them all right uh, and we have to ensure that uh, the continuity of the game is preserved as much as possible. Do these decisions slow the game down? Well, of course they do. Every one of them does slow the game down, but we but we have to make sure that we don't slow it down to a point where it effectively becomes NFL, where we stop after every play to review what's happened. I think it would be difficult too with the naked eye, Graham. Uh, a lot of players wearing white boots and their white boots touching the white sideline, something you, it's times you can't, like, with, you know, in real time, you can't see where they take off from. And I think that is great for the tech technology to be able to do that 
Yeah, and there are plenty of people that think that the technology should just go back to uh, try-scoring situations only where, where it originally started. And, you know, if you think about it, really, there's... It, it, we're not using it for too much more than that, apart from foul play uh, and um, uh, and captain's challenges. So you know the the, the bunker does. There's a, there's a perception, I think, an incorrect perception that the bunker is constantly tipping the referee uh, throughout the course of the game, and and that causes the referee to stop the game. Well, that doesn't happen at all. Uh, the bunker only comes into the game where there's either a formal referral to the to the bunker by the referee, or in the case of a player who might. Uh, be the victim of foul play and the bunker reviews that while the game continues if it's been missed by the on-field officials. And we saw that in the Jason Tamalolo incident where it was missed by the on-field officials uh, and the bunker reviewed it while play continued some 60 or so metres further upfield and a couple of tackles later. And it was then that um, action was taken to to put Jason in the sin bin. Um, Now, if we didn't use technology in that situation, that's very much to the disadvantage of the non-offending team uh, because as a result of that incident, uh, they got to play against 12 players for the next 10 minutes. Uh, and, you know, they were entitled to do that. And and if we didn't use technology in that situation, uh, they'd be very much disadvantaged when they'd done absolutely nothing wrong. That's interesting. Uh, and do you get frustrated, I think you've mentioned this before, that uh, there seems to be a perception out there that the bunker... Because we've got the bunker, there should be no errors, whereas, in fact, it's another human being looking at pictures in the bunker as well. It's never going to be 100% everything is going to be correct. It's just you're going to get more correct with the bunker. Well, that, and, and that's the that's the only objective of uh, technology and bunkers and, and even people talking to referees during the game. It's, our, it's the only objective of touch judges assisting the referee is to try and minimise errors as much as possible. There, there is no way we can completely eliminate errors and there will be errors made in every game. We have to hope that they're uh, relatively minor and that they have no impact on the outcome of the game. Uh, bearing in mind that every decision that the referee makes, even correct decisions, have an impact on the bearing of the ga- uh, on the outcome of the game. Uh, but, um, but you know, you, you're, you're right. There, there will always be mistakes. And in many cases, they're not even necessarily mistakes. They are just controversial decisions where, depending on your point of view, you'll have a you'll have a difference of opinion with somebody else about whether it's correct or not. Um, so those sorts of uh, controversial decisions, our game thrives on because people love debating them. Um, but you know, we do get out and out errors, and and part of my job is. Uh, when I when I do the Monday briefings, is to say, okay, well, you know, we did get this one wrong, but it's also, I've also taken the opportunity on any number of occasions, particularly this season, uh, to try and say, well, there's been a lot of criticism of the officials in this particular incident, and, and uh, the criticism is not justified because they actually got it right. Graham, we have the uh, the Rugby League World Cup starts the middle of October and run through to late November. Uh, are there a number of NRL referees heading over? Yeah, there is. There's a crew of them going. Uh, they'll be joined by match officials from uh, most of the competing countries, but obviously the more experienced officials uh, come from Australia and from the UK Super League. Uh, but I think we've got about nine uh, match officials, and that's uh, they'll act in positions as referees, touch judges, and also bunker officials uh, in the UK. Uh, so, um, so, yes, there will be a crew of them going over, I think, the Friday after the grand final. Without wanting to hark on uh, referees, Graham, because your job encompasses uh, far more than that, do you have uh, what is your uh, referee numbers like? I mean, are they, are they healthy? 
Well, I, don't, I, I deal at the elite level, so yeah. um, I, I'm, I'm not involved in the grassroots, uh, you know, I guess, uh, advancement of uh, refereeing. So, But my understanding is, from the discussions that I have internally, is that um, numbers are OK, but they're, they're never as good as they need to be. Uh, we've always got... Uh, referees uh, running around in the park uh, right across the country every weekend uh, doing more games than they should be doing because of uh, numbers but uh, and it's and it's of course as you could imagine it's it's not a profession that attracts a lot of people um, <laughs> you know it does come with its fair share of criticism <laughs> um, uh, so um, but you know the people who do it and we saw it yesterday we had the announcement as I mentioned earlier of the uh, grand final referees and the, the ref, we ran a referees clinic, actually, as part of the announcement. So before we, we formally announced Ash Klein, we uh, had all of our senior referees there, all of our elite referees, and they were running a, a clinic with a, a group of um, young up-and-coming referees, that some of them, some of which had travelled from Tamworth and, and uh, Orange and Bathurst and driven for hours uh, to get there. Um, so the, the people that do it, the young people that do it, they're, they're very committed and dedicated, and they do it because they love the game. And um, and perhaps they you know they're not uh, suited to playing, or they or they don't think their playing career will will take them to the levels that they'd like to be involved in the game, and they take up refereeing. And you know we should be doing everything we can to encourage that. Graham, we know you can't uh, uh, tip a winner for the NRL Grand Final. If you had a wish, is it that uh, it's not decided by a refereeing decision, and not you're not murdered in controversy Monday morning? <laughs> Yeah, well, probably Sunday night if that happens. But, um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, look, I, I mean, clearly our objective in every game is to have the focus fairly and squarely on the players and uh, that the game's determined on its merits. And, um, you know, we shouldn't forget also that in every game uh, players make multiple errors as well. Uh, that's why statisticians keep error counts. And uh, and those errors are also um, are unintended, and uh, but they do have an, an impact on the outcome of the game. But um, that's what the focus should be on. It should be on the players and, and how the game unfolds. Uh, the referees there, a bit like the conductor of the orchestra in some ways, to, to, to try and make sure that everything happens the way it should and that both teams get a fair and equal opportunity to try and win the game. And uh, no one will be happier than me if I don't have to speak at all to the media uh, either after the game or in the days following. Well, we've enjoyed your time this morning, Graham. You're doing a tough job very well. We really appreciate that, and hopefully you get your wish, and uh, uh, it's a peaceful Monday morning for you. Let's hope so, and uh, I know it's going, to be a, it's going to be a great grand final, and I'm um, really looking forward to it, and again, I appreciate you uh, having me on today. Thanks, Graham. There he is, Graham Annesley, who is the Head of Operations at the NRL.